Chapter Seven of Notes on the Broads and Rivers of Norfolk and Suffolk by Harry Britton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Acle to Wroxham. If you take my advice, Mr. Britton, you'll stay in bed for another half hour, as we shall be in rather a muddle for about that time. Right you are. I'm quite willing to take the hint. I feel very comfortable. Well within the promised thirty minutes, the yacht was through the bridge and ready to proceed. This spot, I should say, is quite a centre of departure for exploration of the best part of the district, and in the season there is published every week in the Yarmouth papers a long list of yachts which pass through Acle Bridge on the way to the Broads. We left our moorings at about eleven o'clock, with wind and tide against us, which made our passage very slow indeed. It was quite one by the time we reached St. Benedict's Abbey, a famous old ruin of which more anon, where we lay to for luncheon. The veal and ham pie aforesaid proved very appetising, and, washed down with king bass, was voted first-rate, fully compensating for our disappointment on the previous evening. If our morning's rate of progress, when we had only covered five miles in two hours, was not exceeded, it would be very late before we reached Roxham Broad, so with as little delay as possible we made another start. Soon after we left the abbey it commenced raining, we therefore made ourselves comfortable in the cabin reading, whilst George sailed the boat alone. We were just passing the entrance to a beautiful broad, which the father of our visitor leases for shooting, when one of the old keepers rode out of the dyke past the buttercup. So he, our visitor, called, Hello, W. But the man did not appear to recognise him. The shout was repeated, and this time the broadman stopped. Don't you know me, W? Suddenly the fact dawned on him that it was his young master calling, and it was amusing to see how confused the discovery made him. I beg your pardon, sir. I didn't know it was you. All right, W. It doesn't matter. Goodbye. And as the yacht sailed on, we enjoyed a laugh at the little comedy. I always like to introduce the members of my crew to the worthy proprietor of Horning Ferry, and in the present instance, of course, the yacht was stopped, and Mr. Thompson duly presented to our latest edition. Whilst they were talking learnedly about the chances of sport, Jack and I walked round the old hostel and interviewed Annie, Mr. Thompson's niece, and Sally, the maid of the inn, both of whom are a special favourites with the thousands of visitors who sojourn here during the summer. As we made our visit quite a flying one, perhaps this is hardly the place to enlarge on the attractions of this home from home, but as later on we shall spend an evening here, I shall certainly say more of it. 
leaving the ferry we made our way upstream and as we passed horning were much amused by the chorus of who john barleycorn who john barleycorn all day long i raised my song to old john barleycorn with which passing yachts are always greeted by the juvenile population of this riverside village we had heard it was sometimes varied by another edition so we asked the youngsters to give it us and forthwith they chanted john barleycorn is dead and gone he'll never come back no more he's gone to sing another song upon a better shore with this we suppose the open-air concert had finished but as the yacht slowly rounded into the mill reach the refrain changed to let go the anchor boys and as we got beyond stone throw perhaps i should say copper throw we received not only three cheers but three times three many times repeated the last salute in their childish treble sounded as pretty as the songs and certainly was much more in tune for obvious reasons by this time the wind had fallen nearly all away and as the tide which was now in our favour is scarcely felt here twenty-four miles from the sea our progress was very slow so slow indeed that jack and george at last took to the dinghy and towed this was however so tiring an occupation that they were soon glad to give it up but jack persisted that his weight must make some difference and let this form an excuse for getting his line and spinning tackle ready hoping to entice therewith some member of the genus esox as it was becoming a trifle chilly i retired into the cabin and enjoyed a quiet doze on emerging half an hour later i found roxham broad had at last been reached but it was so dark that we had figuratively speaking to feel our way across yachts are not now allowed to spend the night on the broad but it happens that the proprietor of the first end is well known to our visitor so he attached his autograph to one of my cards and this was sent up to the broad house a few minutes later we received permission to stay and settled down for the night End of chapter 7